Wonderful singing, excellent songs. I hope you are thankful for all that the Lord has done for you. I want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. How many of you, I think Pastor Holland already asked this, how many of you have already had turkey? Ah, oh, man. I get to have it tonight, so I'm pretty excited about that. But um, I haven't had very much yet. I've had a little bit of turkey, but not enough to constitute a Thanksgiving dinner. So uh, we're excited about being able to do that. So happy Thanksgiving. I, th- I hope you have a great deal to be thankful for. Um, if you don't, come talk to me and I'll start naming things for you that you can have that are thankful. And I would love to do that because sometimes we can get so caught up in um, the negative side of life, can't we? But that's what Thanksgiving is all about. Thanksgiving is about looking at the positive side of life. So I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Acts. And uh, if you're here today and you maybe don't have a Bible, go ahead and pull out your phone. Use your phone. There's lots of Bible apps. We're using the King James Version. We want you to follow along with us as we go through this. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever been told no before? Raise your hand. Anybody been told no before? When I was a kid, I got really used to the word no. I had pretty strict parents, and uh, they would use that term a lot. They would use the word no. It seemed like anything that my friends were doing, my parents would say no to. I don't know why, but that's just the way it seemed. Um, They would not allow me to participate in that activity. After a while, the no's started to get a little bit annoying, just a little bit, a little bit frustrating. I would ask a simple question, can I go bowling? Are there going to be any parents there? Well, I don't think so, then no. All right, can I go to so-and-so's house? Are there parents going to be there? Well, I don't think so. Then no. It just seemed like constantly I was getting this no, and they had usually now, as I look back, I have children now, so as I look back, the reasoning was actually really good, and I'm very thankful for it. But I was constantly getting the word no. Now, parents let us do a lot of good things, too. I played sports. I I went to a lot of people's houses. I spent a lot of time outdoors. Uh, I would be gone outside for hours at a time. My parents would have no idea where I was. It was wonderful. But it's easy for us to focus on the no's, isn't it? It's easy for us to focus on the negative things. And maybe you sit here today and you're thinking, man, I missed out on so much of my life. I'm never doing that to my kids. I'm going to say yes all the time. Every day is going to be a yes day. Have you seen that movie, by the way? It's a funny movie. Yes day. It's easy for us to focus on the things that we feel like we missed out on. It's easy for us to allow our minds to be engrossed with the thoughts brought on by the fear of missing out. In fact, we may truly, maybe subconsciously say, I'm never saying no to my kids. I'm never saying no anymore. I am going to always say yes. Most of us, if we're honest, we don't like the word no. We like yes. It makes us feel when somebody says no to us, it makes us feel unimportant. It makes us feel like they don't value us. It makes us feel underappreciated. And it makes us feel just a little belittled, if you will. Let me ask you this question this morning. 
What happens when God says no? When God says no? What happens to you? What happens to us when God says no? Our story today is exactly that. Our story today is a story of God saying no to Paul and Silas. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. If I didn't tell you where to turn, I apologize. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Let me give you just a little bit of context to lead us into the story. Okay, Paul and Barnabas, they've been traveling around for quite some time. They're back in Antioch. And they have this major argument about John Mark. John Mark had basically bailed on them in ministry uh, several years prior. And now Barnabas wants to bring him back. And so Barnabas and Paul have this major discussion, a discussion so big that they end up separating ways. And so Paul chooses Silas and they are going to go and they are going to minister to the churches that have already been established. So we see that in verse 1 of chapter 16. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. So again, very simply, the church is doing amazing things already. The churches in Derby and Lystra, they are already producing high-quality men. And here we see Timothy. In fact, two books of the Bible are written to this person, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. They're written to this person named Timotheus. And so now Paul says, I can't take John Mark with me, so I'm going to bring Timothy. So it's Paul, Silas, and Timothy, verse 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. You can find out what that was all about in Acts chapter 15. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Okay, so they just went around, they're discipling, they're telling and encouraging, they're excited about what's happening in the churches that they had already established. And they are being multiplied daily, they're being increased. Now verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were, watch this, forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And they were come, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. Watch this. But the Spirit suffered them not. Very interesting. I want to preach to you a message as I've entitled, When God Says No. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. But in this moment of our lives, when we think about when you've said no to us, Father, I pray you'd help us to see what it is you have planned. The things that you have before us, the things that you have presented to us, Father, that we would see that sometimes no can be the best thing that's ever happened to us. I pray that you would guide us and direct us in that today. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, Paul and Silas are raising up leaders. Paul and Silas are establishing themselves. Paul and Silas are helping the churches. And they are expanding this team to fulfill the cause of Christ. And they are on fire. They're ready to go and do the work of the Lord. 
So they finished visiting the churches, and now they're planning to go out and preach the gospel some more. And so they try and go out. They try and go to Asia. But they were forbidden of the Spirit, and then they tried to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit would not allow them to do that. God says, no. Oh, hang on a swift second. You mean to tell me that three men on fire for God, wanting to tell every creature about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they're trying to go do that in Asia, and the Holy Spirit is going to stop them? The Holy Spirit is going to tell them, no? What in the world? What is that all about? Apparently, God doesn't want people to know the gospel of Jesus Christ in Asia. Obviously, God does not want the people in Bithynia to know about his saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? That seems a little ridiculous. God, how dare you give them a, a, a command in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 saying that you'll go into the uttermost parts of the earth, but then stop them. God, how dare you? God, that's a contradiction. God, what are you doing in this moment? This doesn't make any sense to me. I thought you wanted the whole world to be saved. Why are you saying no? Listen, I would beg to say that there's someone in this room that's struggling through this maybe right now. Struggling through the fact that you are trying to do something right, but God has said no to you. Maybe you've already experienced this in the past. You've been trying to do what's right. You've been walking through the right steps, doing the right things, but God just said no to you. And frankly, you're quite upset. You were just trying to do right. And God said no. You surrendered your life to do God's will. Maybe a teenager. As a teenager. You surrendered. You went to a youth conference. You made a big decision for God. And you walk out and you're immediately presented with a no. You think, well, la-ti-da. Thank you very much for that. Maybe you were trying to get married. You were trying to do everything the right way, and God said, no, not this one. Maybe you were going after a job, and you were working hard toward it, and God said, no, not right now. Maybe you were trying to purchase a particular house, and everything seemed to be lining up, and you were praying about it, and you were doing what God wanted you to do, and God said, no, not this one. Maybe you were trying to have children. You were begging and pleading with God to help you, and God said, no. Truthfully here, the list could go on and on and on about things that God says no to. But again, I would be convinced today that there's someone here who has had God tell them no Maybe you're just a little bit frustrated about it. Maybe you're just a little bit angry about it, hurt even. Maybe you've got a bit of resentment toward the Lord about it. You're here today and I'm thankful for that, but maybe you're just frustrated. We might even say something to this effect. If this is the way that God does things, and I don't want to have any part of it. God, if this is the way you're going to treat me, then I want out. I don't want to do this this way. If this is going to happen when I try to serve you, then I'm done serving. 
I'm backing up. I'm backing out. I'm not doing it. I know I made a commitment, but I'm not going to keep that commitment. You haven't kept your end of the bargain up. I did not sign up for this. When God says no. So maybe you can relate to perhaps the potential feelings that Paul and Silas would have had here. Maybe you can feel what they felt. Maybe you can understand what they were going through when they're just like, God, we're just trying to do what you've called us to do. We're trying to go into Asia. We're trying to go into the uttermost parts of the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to be witnesses. You just keep telling us no. The issue here is not the fact that God is telling us no. The issue here is not the fact that we are being negated about what we think we ought to do. Here's the issue. The issue is this. The issue is our view of God. Let me say it again. The issue is not that God is saying no. The issue is our view of God. Sometimes we view God as God You always have to do what I want you to do. God, you always have to do what I expect you to do. That's a lot of times how we view God. There would be a lot of people in here that would never admit to that. Because that doesn't match our theology. But if we're honest this morning, we have to admit there are times when we think, God, you are not doing what I expect you to do. And the resentment comes and the hurt comes and the anger comes and we say, God, this is not what I anticipated. This is not what I signed up for. I signed up for all the blessings and I signed up for all the wonder and I signed up for all the good things. I didn't want this piece. So we start doing right with the expectation that God is going to fulfill what we want him to do. And when he doesn't, we get upset. When he doesn't, we get angry. When he doesn't, we get frustrated. When he doesn't, we get bitter. A lot of times we think this way. I'm doing right so that you'll allow me to marry this particular person. As long as as that particular person's in the picture, yeah, I'll I'll come to church every week because she's there. I'll read my Bible every day because she's reading her Bible every day. Or the list goes on and on of what we'll do right as long as you'll allow me. And God says, no. I'm doing right so that you, God, will give me the job that I want. You know that job that pays six figures? That's the one, God. You know that that job that is just... My dream job where I don't have to do hardly any work and I get to boss a bunch of people around. You know that job, God? That's the job that I want. And I'm going to do right as long as you will allow me to have that job. And God says, no. I'm doing right so you'll give me the house that I want. That one, that big one up on the hill with with hundreds of acres and uh, I have somebody to cut all my grass for me because that just takes way too much time. And all of these wonderful things, that's the house I want and I'll, I'll do right until I don't have that house anymore. And God says, well, you're not getting it. I mean this with as much kindness as possible on a Thanksgiving weekend. This type of thinking, this type of reasoning 
is selfish thinking. It's selfish thinking. We are basically saying, God, you better do what I want or else. And the or else is usually I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. It's usually what it is. If you're in the habit of writing things down, I want you to write this, this down. God's ways are not always our ways. God's ways are not always our ways. Wouldn't it be nice if they just always matched up? Wouldn't it be nice if what we thought God was right there with us thinking, yep, I'm with you, buddy, let's keep going. God's ways are not always our ways. Often, God's ways are so much different than ours. He does things differently than we ever expect him to do. But this one I want you to write down, and I want you to memorize this one. You can forget the one you just wrote down, but write this one down and memorize it. God's ways are higher than mine. God's ways are higher than my ways. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes our plans don't mesh, God. Sometimes I'm over here, but you're way over here. Sometimes we forget that God has a bigger, a better, a more amazing plan in mind. We forget about that. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Every single person that sits in this room today, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he has something far greater for us to participate in. Look at verse 8 of Acts chapter 16. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. So they just keep trying. They just keep trying. They're in Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia praying him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, watch this, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us, for what? For to preach the gospel unto them. You see, God had told Paul and Silas no so that he could say yes to them going to Macedonia. Let me try to give you some extremely encouraging news today. Saying no to one thing is being able to say yes to another. Mark it down. Saying no to one thing is being able to say yes to another. Let me illustrate. I like to hunt and I like to fish and if I could I would do both of those things every day of my entire life and not be bored I know you think fishing is boring but I could do it and not be bored I'd love it I just love being outside okay let me try to get you into my mindset I love it so much that I want if, if I wasn't a pastor I would be a professional outdoorsman, okay? Those are the two. There's no other in-betweens. There's no other fallback jobs. That's it. That's how much I love it. I'm excited about it, okay? But there's these stinking things that we have called kids. And you know what? Kids need dad attention. So you know what I have not done yet? We're eight days into deer season. (laughs) I have not even shot my bow. You know why? 
I had to say no to something, the things that I want to do, so that I can say yes to my children and my family. Do you understand? There's some times in life that we need to say no to one thing so that we can say yes to another. Is not saying no hard, though? Is not being told no hard, though? It is. It is very difficult. But what we forget is that the yes is something far more amazing. Listen to me. As much as I love hunting, I love my children. I love my family so much more. So much more. And I want to spend my time with them. I enjoy them. Listen, saying no to one thing is being able to say yes to another. Sometimes we're so engrossed in the fact that we are unable to, that we forget about the fact that God has something better for us. Paul and Silas could have spent years in Asia Working hard, giving everything they had, spending all that they could, doing everything that they possibly could in the power of the Spirit of God. But listen, they could have done that in Asia and Bithynia. But for lack of a better word, they would have just been spinning their wheels. And we don't know what would have happened, but that's what could have happened. And if they did so, guess what they would have done? They would have missed out completely on the wide open door in Macedonia. How many people do you have that are saying, hey, would you please come tell me about Jesus Christ? Anybody? Paul did. Paul did. And had he gone to Asia, had he gone to Bithynia, and he said, forget it, Holy Spirit. I'm not doing what you call me to do. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do my way, and I'm going to go my way. Guess what he would have missed out on? He would have missed out on the open door you stop and think for a few minutes about what you and I have missed out on because we have been so stuck on the closed door. So stuck on the closed door. We're over here. We're staring at the closed door. We're whining. We're complaining about the closed door. We're thinking, good grief, open door. Come on, door, open. And we're banging on it. We're hitting it. And we're so focused on this door that is closed that we forget about the wide open door behind us. We didn't even hear it open. We aren't even paying attention to it. We aren't even looking at it. We've stared so hard and so long and we're blaming God for the closed door. And the harder we hit it, the more angry we get. We forget. And we've completely failed to see the beautifully wide open door of opportunity that is open behind us. That door that is now open, don't miss this. That door that is now open, that God has opened, that is the purpose of God for your life. And I would beg to say that there's a handful of people here in this place that are so focused on the closed door that they are missing out on God's purpose for their life. God, if you would have just let me marry that person, I would have been happy. Meanwhile, he's got somebody far better for you over here. God, if you would have just let me go to that school. Meanwhile, he's got something far better for you. God, if you would have just given me that job, excuse me, he's got something far better for you over here. God, if you would have just given me this, 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 he's got something far better for you over here. So often we are too caught up in the no 
is that we miss out on the yes. We miss out on the perfect will of God for our lives. I want you to think about what it took, what it took for Paul and Silas to maintain a positive attitude here. What does it take to look this way and then all of a sudden decide, all right, that's a closed door, let's move somewhere else. What does it take? Number one, it takes this. It takes a great deal of trust in God. It takes a great deal of trust in God. Remember, I told you to memorize it. God's ways are higher than mine. That takes a great deal of trust. Door slams. Okay, God. Your ways are higher than mine. You can obviously something be behind, see something behind door number one that I can't see. It takes a great deal of trust. It took a great deal of trust knowing that he was doing what he knew was right to do. God knows what he's doing. God makes no mistakes. It took a great deal of trust that God had the best steps designed for them already. Took a great deal of trust that God had begun a good work in them and that he would perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Number one, it would take trust. Number two, it would take surrender. Surrender. I hate this word. I don't mind trusting. I feel like I can handle that one. But trusting always involves surrender. Trusting always involves surrender. It's when I have to surrender my own thoughts. It's when I have to surrender my own will that I don't like. As I said before, I like it when they line up. Oh, I can trust God when all my ideas line up with his. But I don't like it when we're different and I have to get off my high horse and I have to surrender my will to his. These men had to surrender. They had to say, okay, God. Okay, God. That's obviously not where you want me to go. I had to surrender to the purpose of God for their lives. The same is true for me. I have to surrender the purpose of God for my life. Oh, so you don't want me to be a professional outdoorsman. You want me to get up in St. Thomas, Ontario, and you want me to preach every week. What a bummer, eh? Surrender. It would have taken trust, it would have taken surrender, and here's just a goofy one, but I like it. It would have taken an eager fire. An eager fire. Have you ever seen a, the squirrel on, a, I think it's over the hedge? Daryl, who is it, Remy? You don't even know, I'm putting him on the spot, forget it. <laughs> Hammy, there we go. Okay, he's hopped up like all the time. He's just, ah, 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 okay? This is the way I view Paul and Silas. Maybe not that crazy, but, okay, God, where do you want me to go next? Okay, God, where do you want me to go next? Okay, you shut that door. Okay, where do you want me to go next? Okay, give me the next one. Give me the next one. Give me the next one. Come on, let me have the next one. All right, which one's next? Okay, you shut that door. Let's go over here. You see what I'm saying? It's an eager fire. Hey, just tell me where you want me to go. Okay, God, you shut that door. You're not, you don't want me to marry that person? Show me the next one. You don't want me to get married now? Okay, I'll wait. Just tell me what you want me to do in the meantime. You don't want me to have that job? Where's the next one? 
just an eager fire it would have taken. Listen, so what are they doing? They're going from Asia. Nope, not that one. All right, let's try Bithynia. Nope, not that one. All right, let's try Troas. Nope, not that one. Here we go to Macedonia. All right, thank you very much. We're on our way. Now I'm really tired. What I'm trying to get you to see is just an eager fire. Just give it to me. God, I just want your will. I'm passionate about it. Just give it to me. I want to do your will. Shut any other door you want, but just show me the right one. Give it to me. I just want to fulfill your purpose in my life. They had the same attitude that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6-8. When he said, here am I. Send me. They had the same attitude that Job had in Job chapter 1 and verse 21 when he said, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They had the same attitude that Jesus had when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. They had maintained the same attitude that Paul had when he was on the road to Damascus. When he first surrendered to the Lord, he said this, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Fulfilling God's purpose for your life is going to take trust, surrender, and an eager fire. Let me ask you this question. Will it always go exactly as you planned? Not a chance. Not a chance Will it be all that you ever thought it would be? Nope. It'll be far greater than you could ever imagine. Will it be easy? No, not in the slightest. But you will find the greatest joy in the middle of it that you could ever imagine. Will you ever regret it? No. You'll never regret pursuing God's purpose for your life, but I can guarantee what you will regret. You will regret staring at that closed door. You will regret being bitter. You will regret being resentful. You will regret being frustrated. You will regret the time lost staring at the no. When God says, listen, I've told you no just so I could tell you yes over here. You will regret that. God has something so much greater for you. When God says no to something good, it's so he can say yes to something greater. We're going to see over the next couple of weeks, truly several weeks, the amazing things that God is going to do in Macedonia. They're going to stop off at a place called Philippi. The whole book of Philippians is written to that church. We know the story of the Philippian jailer who says truthfully, what must I do to be saved? Today, this weekend, is Thanksgiving. It's easy to be thankful for all the things that were like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. But today I want to challenge you with something different. I want you to be thankful for something that you didn't want. Something that in your mind God said no to you. You say, Pastor Jones, I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. Can you just start thinking this way? 
because I didn't want that, because God gave me a no, he gave me a yes over here. And for that, I can be thankful for. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything, give thanks. It's hard in the no's. It's hard in the tough times. But realizing that God has something far greater for you planned, listen, can we be thankful today? Can we be thankful for those tough times? He has a much bigger plan for you than you could ever imagine. Bigger plan that you could ever plan for yourself. And here Paul and Silas are like, okay, just show me where to go. Just show me where you go. Will you trust him? Will you surrender to him? Or will you just have an eager fire? Okay, God, show me the next one. I hope you'll have that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, we pray that your will will be accomplished. Father, we pray that when you give us a no, you would help us to see that your ways are not always our ways, but truthfully that your ways are higher than ours. Would you help us to call out and say, here am I, send me. Would you help us to say, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. You help us as our Savior, our example, said, not my will, but thine be done. Father, we'll give you the praise and glory for it. Father, I don't know who's here today and what they're going through. I don't know the deep things of the heart. Father, you know them. You've searched them. I pray that if there's a person here today that is currently going through something or Father has in the past, that today would be the day of deliverance for them. That they turn away from that door that's been closed and that they see the light behind them and they start fulfilling the purpose of God for their lives. Father, that there's one person here today that has not turned to you yet ever, that day be today. Father, we'll give you that praise and glory for it. 